My mom's calling. What do we do? Answer the phone and tell her you're recording. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. Yes. Um, I am recording a podcast episode with Emma. Can I call you back after? Oh, yes. Bye. bye, bye Not bye. a problem. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Let's not edit that out. Let's keep that in. <laughs> Just leave that there. Like, awkward. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm going to start all the way over because I don't remember where we left off. So, Welcome back to The Tea with Crema. My name is Chris, and with me today I have my best friend, Emma. What up, what up? Hello, everybody. Today we have a bit of a serious episode. We'll be taking a deep dive into the cultures that made us. So Emma and I will be reflecting on our personal identities and cultures and really discussing how important those are to us currently, how those shape how we navigate the world and what we want to do when we're reflecting and thinking about those moving forward. So it'll be a bit of a heavier episode today. We'll be doing a culture and identity activity. So if you want to pause at some point while we're doing that and follow along yourself, you are more than welcome to do so. We encourage it. And we're looking forward to being able to discuss with you and with each other about these identities and how they impact our lives. Before we begin, because this is the tea with Crema, we are going to review the teas that we are currently drinking. So Chris, what tea are you drinking? Today I have a nice peppermint tea, a nice light tea. It's later in the day, didn't want anything with caffeine, so I just chose peppermint. What about you today? Hopefully not that Coca-Cola again. First of all, don't come for me and my at McDonald's Coca-Cola. Today, I have a nice green tea from Yamamoto Yama. It's in the green box. You can find it at most grocery stores. It is very delicious and my favorite thing to drink. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you got your tea set up and ready to go. So with that, let's go ahead and get into this episode. We are talking about our cultures and identities. We'll be talking about Emma and I's cultures and those things that have helped shape us, get us to that point. We wanted to take some time to actually talk about those identities and figure out what are those identities? What do they mean to us? How do we apply them? When did we discover them? So we'll be doing an activity today called an identity circle. I know I've done these before. I believe Emma's done them. I don't know if we've done them together, but we'll be editing an activity that we've done before using some inspiration that we have found from our research, taking that information, using it to form that identity circle. If you want to follow along with us today, all you will need is something to write with and a piece of paper. The first thing you'll do with that paper is fold it in half hamburger style. Horizontal, yes. And then hamburger. So hold the paper horizontally, fold it hamburger style. And on the outside part of this paper, you'll write surface identities. And you can write that either on the top, you can write it along the side, whatever style really suits you. Surface identities, those are the things that we're going to put on the outside. We'll talk more about what surface identities are in a second. When you open your nice identity foldable, you'll draw a circle in the middle of the paper along the folded line. This circle is gonna be called core identities. 
Again, we'll talk about what would go in this circle in a second. On the blank space surrounding the circle, we're gonna label that important identities. So you should have three sections on this paper, core identities on the circle in the middle, important identities on the inside of the fold, and then surface identities on the outside of your identities foldable. And then today we'll be going through and discussing what are those three levels of identities as far as we've chosen to identify them today. There's a lot of ways that you can go through and look at identities. And then we'll be going through the identities that make up our culture and sorting those out today. Anything you want to add before we begin, Emma? And I think it's important to note that these identities may look different for certain people, right? So like I identify a certain ethnicity, ethnic group. So this might look different for somebody else who also identifies as that same ethnic group. So this is really getting down to like the core basic of you as a person. What do you identify as? What do you value? And so those are the things that we are looking at today. To add a bit more definition to these three sections, the way Emma and I will be thinking about these three levels, we used four questions to kind of guide our thinking in these identities and these cultures. What is a surface identity, Chris? A surface level identity for the activity that we're doing today are those identities that you would think about the least often. Things that you don't really consider all that often in your day-to-day -day life. So that would be, for our intents and purposes today, what we would put on the surface level. Another question that we'll be answering that might fit into surface level are, are identities that you think about more often or most often, but you don't necessarily consider them to be super important to you. So you might think about it a lot, but it still might be something that's surface level and not very important. When you open the foldable and we talk about the important identities for today's activities that Emma and I are doing, these could be identities that you do think about more often and most often. It's possible that some things that would fit in this category would be other people's perceptions of you based on those identities that we're going to be discussing today. That might fit into the important identities section. For the core identities, we're really focusing on the identities that have the strongest effects on our self-perceptions and how we perceive ourselves. This might overlap a bit with how others perceive you. Again, all of these things are very flexible. All of these categories are very flexible. This is just how we're choosing to separate some of these identities for our discussion today. Any questions moving forward, Emma? Nope. I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to identify, self-identify. The category that we're going to start with first today would be age. I just recently turned 26. And for me, I would say that my age is definitely at this point in my life, a surface level identity. I don't think about it all that often, even when I am thinking about it, it's not really impacting a lot of the decisions that I'm making. Maybe a few of the investment decisions, but nothing that like truly defines who I am as a person. So for me, I would put age as a surface level identity. That's super interesting that you bring up age as being a surface level. And I would probably consider it a surface level too, until you started saying like, it doesn't really affect your day-to-day -day decisions. One thing that I hear most often as a woman who's getting a little bit up there in age, I'm 26, by the way, is people always talk about like, oh, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to settle down? First of all, I'm settled. Second of all, kids, you know, so I guess I would leave it as surface level, but I can see how some people would consider that as important because it starts to become one of those things where life changing decisions are being made. So I'm going to leave mine at surface level age 26. Very nice. Our next one that we'll go over is your first language. 
So where would you consider first language? For me, that would be English, and it's my first and only language. Also something that I would put on my surface level. It is how I navigate literally every day, but I do so without even really making any considerations about it. That first language for me would definitely be a surface level identity. I agree. I would also probably put it as my surface level because, I mean, I work with English language learners every day. And so I can see how navigating the world speaking English is such a privilege and it's such a one of those things where we don't have to really change our language, especially in terms of like business. We can go anywhere in the world and most people do speak English. And that's what I've experienced from going abroad and traveling abroad is that there will always be some kind of effort to learn English and not vice versa, which is kind of messed up. But I would also agree that it's not something I think about really daily until I'm interacting with my kids. Related to that that first language, we also have national origin. We're going to break that down into also including our, our geographic background. I know part of that reasoning is because M and I are not from the same place and do not have the same geographical history. So for me, national origin being American, very surface level identity does not impact my day to day. But my my geographic background, I'm a Texan. From the South. Forever. That's been my whole life. Texas forever. I don't know if other states do this, but Texas, it gets to you. Even though there are some moments where I get a little angry at the state's decisions, but I'm still, if anyone else tries to come for those decisions, I get really annoyed. I'm like, actually, you don't know anything about why we made that decision. So why don't you just stay over in your state? But at the end of the day, I would say being a Texan, being American, those are still surface level identities for me. They don't truly impact my day to day. It's not something that I consider often at all. Really? Ooh, I would have thought you would have said South as one of your important identities, being from the South. Being American to me, yeah, same thing. I would consider that, like, I'm born and raised in the U.S., so I would consider that a surface. But when I think about, like, being born as a part of the diaspora as a larger thing, I think that that would then go into core. So I feel like when we get into ethnic background, I get a little bit more into that. But now I'm second-guessing where I would put that. As far as geographical, I would put that as important because that's something I kind of lead with a lot. I'm not from Texas. And it's not like in a bad way. I just kind of like, I'm not from here. I was born and raised in Hawaii until I was 14. And then I moved to California to go to high school and then later on college. Then after that, I became a transplant in Texas. Because that's also like a question that when people are like, where are you from? I kind of have to look at them because I'm like, are you asking me where I'm from or where I'm from from? Because people will be wild and and asking me where I'm from from sometimes. (laughs) So I would say that that is important is my geographical location. I think my geographic background would probably be more important if I wasn't still living in Texas. If I had moved somewhere else at this time and was living somewhere that wasn't Texas, I think more similar to what you hit on and mentioned, not being from this place, I think really makes where you're from a little bit more important in how you approach things. So we've covered age, first language, national origin, and geographic background. What about your career? Where would you put your career? So career, I'm an educator, I'm a teacher. I would say that's a surface level thing for me personally, just because there's still some times where I think about it, I'm like, am I really a teacher? I don't know if that's the right thing to say, actually. But there are some times where I'm just like, I can't believe my life took this turn and I'm a teacher. I love it. I love everything about being in the classroom. But there are times where I question girl, what you doing? So (laughs) I would say that's a surface thing for me. It also wasn't necessarily your first choice career. I don't know if that's a thing that you can put out into the universe, but... I think I've mentioned it before, so... 
I think that's also why I'm not like married to it because this wasn't what I studied in school either. What about you? I would say my career and I even can consider it beyond like, yes, I am a teacher, but future career moves that I'm going to make, I think are important identities for me because that's a significant way of how I plan things. So I'm constantly thinking about, okay, what am I going to be doing in the next year as far as am I still going to be teaching? Am I going to be taking on other roles? Am I going to teach in other locations? Am I going to leave education all together and pursue something differently? Am I still going to be in Fort Worth? So for me, it is something that I consider pretty frequently and does have a direct impact on a lot of the things that I do in my life. So I would say for me, career would certainly be an important identity and not a surface level identity. See, and like, that's what we're talking about, that both Chris and I are educators, but we would consider it in different places. That's completely fine. No answer is more right or more wrong. So that's just something to take into consideration if you are doing this and possibly are a teacher and that's your core identity. That's totally fine. Do you? That was definitely me in my first year. That was how I led conversations was, hi, my name is Emma and I'm a teacher. I think I've learned to like separate myself and my identity. So that's kind of where I'm at now. So we call that growth. (laughs) All right. Moving to the next category, let's go with any physical, emotional or developmental abilities or disabilities. For me, I would say that I am an able-bodied person in all of those categories. So I would have to put that as an important identity. It does not completely alter how I navigate the world, but it is something that I consider a lot I think part of it is being an educator and seeing individuals that fall in different categories for that and figuring out what it's like for them to navigate the world and always being considered of that. I I just remember times where I had to help my grandma get around. And so for me, those abilities are something that I do consider pretty frequently, even though I would consider myself pretty able-bodied and able to navigate the world without a lot of extra consideration as far as getting upstairs and, and finding access to places that might be a little bit more difficult in that way. So for me, that would go under an important identity. Oh, interesting. I would put able-bodied as a surface identity because it is something that I personally do not think about often. And that's, I guess, where where I'm kind of struggling is, do I put this under something that is important to me because I see the impact of when things are not accessible? And that is why being able-bodied is more important to me. Or do I think about it in terms of like, do I often think about my ability and what I am able to do? And so if I think of it from that perspective, then I would think that being able-bodied to myself, me personally, I would identify that as a surface. But is it something that I believe is important to me that I try to address and try to make sure that there is accessibility, you know, to folks who are not able-bodied? That's where I'm at. So you can kind of see where these things can also kind of converge as well, that it doesn't also necessarily mean that it's going to be only in one category, right? Yeah, because that question even has like physical, emotional mental, those three things might also have to be separated and put into different categories. So for me to say able-bodied, the considerations and the privileges therein for me are important parts of my identity. I do think about them 
quite often and make considerations about how to approach the world in that regard. Ooh, well, in that case, then maybe I would put it as important. I'm half, half and half. I guess I'm still forming my own definition for surface, core, and important as well. That's also a thing too, y'all. This is really like a stream of consciousness type of podcast. We're really talking through these identities. These are kind of the conversations that Chris and I do tend to have. Being able to write it down and really see where we are and then both in terms of each other is also super interesting to me, I think. And there are certainly some of these that we actually have not discussed much of. And I'm excited to hear more about your approach and ideologies behind some of these other identities. The next would be body type. Thick, (laughs) double C. Where you put that in your list of identities me being able-bodied but also like of not normal size I don't want to say it. like I'm overweight yeah it's definitely a thing but I feel like that's important to me because the way that I navigate the world is I cannot shop at certain places because they don't have my size so like I'm kind of mid-sized because I don't fall under the category of being super skinny but I'm also not able to shop at some of these plus size shops either because some of these designers have ideas of what plus size women's bodies look like and so while I would need a certain top that does that I don't fill out the top if y'all know what I'm saying because your girl don't got girls that's kind of one of the ways that is hard for me so I would consider my body type to be important just because that is something that I often have to think about is will I fit in this place will I be able to go to this place what would you say for you I would put it under important and mostly because we were talking about that question of identities that have the greatest impact on how others perceive you. And I definitely get comments about my weight and body type far more often than I would like from far more people than I would like. The comments range from observations that people have made about my fluctuating weight over the years to being ineligible to date certain people because of that. So for me, I would say body type is an important identity. It has direct impacts on how I've been able to navigate certain things, including relationships. I would not say that I've had difficulty like finding clothing or anything, but it has impacted other parts of my life that are important. So for me, body type would go under important identities as well. Cool. Next category. The next one would be, let's go with religious or spiritual affiliation. And I know this one will probably come up a little bit later. We'll definitely debrief some of these in more fleshed out episodes themselves. So we'll we'll keep this one a little simple, but I'm absolutely excited to come back to it later. So religious, spiritual affiliation, I would say for me, surface level identity, very much so. I was not raised religious. I'm just having a really hard time trying to. Chris is laughing because this is one of the questions that is just going to be a little controversial, especially if you know myself or my family. Born and raised a Mormon, later became a Christian, identify currently as agnostic. I do believe that there is some kind of creator, some kind of higher power, whether that be God, whether that be somebody. I do believe that there's somebody out there watching out for me because there's no way that I could be making it out to 26 years old being as clumsy as I am if there wasn't somebody watching out for me. So I do believe that I'm really spiritual. I have that and I feel like I could be more spiritual. But religious wise, I do have some opinions on that. So for now, I'll say that I am agnostic. Yeah. (laughs) And I would say that that belongs in an important identity just because it is something that I think about often and it's something that I grapple with often is thinking about my religious affiliations, thinking about the connotations that come with being Pacific Islander. There are strong ties to religion and our community and our ethnic groups. So 
I would say that I, that's an important one for me. Very interesting. Sorry, I could not hold it together. It was just because you were making these faces. I know your history a little bit. So it's curious to see where you put it. But I, I definitely think that'll be a topic that we bring up a little bit later, maybe as its own episode, but we'll, we'll kind of see. I'm excited to kind of continue that because we have very different religious backgrounds. So I'm really curious to see how we've gotten to the point where we're at today. I don't know, just showing up differently, I think, because of that identity would be nice to dissect a bit. Next identity category would be socioeconomic status. We did break this down into current socioeconomic status and historic socioeconomic status. We did that because I currently occupy a socioeconomic status that is very new to me, is something that I've only occupied, I would say, for like the past four years, literally since graduating and entering my current career. Historically, I would say my family and I have always been working class for sure, paycheck to paycheck working class that was our lifestyle growing up especially when my parents divorced we'll come back to that part of our identity as well so for me socioeconomic status is definitely it's not a mm. It's definitely important. I just have to figure out how important versus core. That's one of those ones that kind of goes back and forth. I want to say for a very long time until recently, I would say like my historical socioeconomic status was definitely my core identity. It impacted just about every decision that I made, how much I was able to spend like month to month. I was always like afraid of like, am I going to be able to pay all of these bills even as I entered this new career and had only ever known about being in paycheck to paycheck working class. So I guess kind of based on that, I would say that that is a core identity. It impacts a lot of how I approach so many experiences, things that I think we've kind of discussed. I don't want to say you take for granted, but the fact that I'm still this age, don't have a passport because international travel was never in the cards. It was never a part of what I was going to be doing, especially not having international family. It just wasn't affordable. It wasn't going to happen. So for me, I would say socioeconomic status, core identity for me. I agree that it is one of my important identities. Historically, like my family, we grew up middle class. But there are some times where I think about like, were we middle class? Because money was also something we didn't discuss. That was not taboo, but it also wasn't widely discussed. And so did I ever want for anything? I will say no. But when I look back now as an adult, reflecting on my experience living in two of the most expensive states in the US to live in, I think it would have been different had we grown up in Texas where the cost of living is a little bit cheaper. So yeah, historically, I would say we were middle class. Uh, My mom and dad will probably fact check me because they listen to this. (laughs) They'll tell me if we really were. I currently am middle class, which again, like Chris and I had to actually delineate that because I was like, am I considered middle class? And he's like, do you have money at the end of the month? And I was like, well, yeah. And he was like, do you not have money because you're spending it all during the month? I was like, well, yeah. So, you know, that's one of those things where it's like a luxury where, you know, I have something to think about. It's important to me. It's how I navigate in the world is being middle class. Being able to afford certain privileges would definitely classify it as one of my important identities. Not the most important identity, but it's up there. So would you put it under, you said core or important? Important. Sorry. I would put it under important. Also, I promised my tone was not that accusatory when I was asking the question questions on how to figure out if she was middle class or not. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was not that accusatory. I refuse to believe. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that is something that I think you should identify as. <laughs> okay, so the next category is... <laughs> Oh, goodness. Next category. And that concludes our episode for today. But before we go, we are going to do our rapid fire questions. So number one, take it away, Chris. What is your trait that you most hate in yourself? 
my indecisiveness. I was very decisive with coming up with that. My indecisiveness. Yeah, that's it. That's the tweet. Okay, I hope you commit to it because I know you also do that thing where like I'll answer the question and you're like, actually, I've thought about it and then you change your answer again. Exactly. That's why I hate it because then why do I, I can't just be confident in my answer. I'm confident. Indecisiveness. What's yours? I do not trust easily at all. So that is certainly one of the traits that I hate the most about myself. I know it's a trait. I know it happens, but I just can't figure out what it is that I need to do to overcome that trait. Hashtag therapy. This is what you'll talk about in your first therapy session. Okay, so my question is, if you could live in a board game like Jumanji style, what game would it be? Oh my gosh, I'd have to live one of the happy games. Anyone trying to live in a game like Pandemic, The Oregon Trail? (laughs) Don't want to live there. Stay dying of dysentery. I think I would stay somewhere like Monopoly, where the worst that could happen is that you're bankrupt and then you just start a new game. You just start over, do it again. Just stay in jail. Make more money the next time. Board game wise, I think I would want to live in Settlers of Catan. But then you were talking about, oh my gosh, then it's like like a hard game. Yeah, because then I have to like wool my sheep wool shed my sheep shear your sheep thank you i'd have to shear my sheep and cut my wood and make my brick i think that'd be a nice life though cute little life you know living my best life just worry about those four things yeah exactly you know it's a lot easier than being in the real world so yeah i choose katan all right that's all we have for today's the cultures that made us this is going to be part one of this episode series so we will continue this conversation with the cultures that made us part two dropping in two weeks So Emma, where can people find the tea with crema? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you can stream podcasts live. You can also find us on Instagram at at the tea with crema. We hope to see you next time. Bye!